Welcome to Open Banking Expo Unplugged, bringing you the brightest minds in open banking, open finance and beyond. Hello and welcome to the Open Banking Expo Unplugged podcast. I'm your host, as usual, I'm Ellie Duncan, Head of Editorial and Broadcast at Open Banking Expo. And in today's episode, I'm really delighted to be joined by David Hooper, who is Vice President of Open Banking and Payments Consulting at CGI. Now, David is speaking at Open Banking Expo Canada on the 15th of June in Toronto. So we're going to come on to talk a bit more about the panel that David is taking part in, in a bit more detail later on in this podcast. But ahead of the expo, David joins me to discuss Canada's open banking and payments journeys, as well as joining us to tell us a bit more about CGI. So welcome to the podcast, David. Well, thank you very much. Happy to be here. And lo- really looking forward to the uh, the expo in a couple of weeks. Well, we're really excited to to have you at the expo. And it's promising to be a really uh, great one-day event. But by way of introduction, in case our, uh, some of our listeners aren't familiar with CGI and and yourself, David, what is it that, that CGI does and, and what's your role at the company? Sure. Well, CGI is a large multinational IT services firm. And I'd say most people that don't know us, I often assume we're involved with dinosaurs or aliens in films, but it's not that kind of CGI. Uh, we're a 46-year-old Canadian company with over 90,000 consultants in 40 countries. We provide business and strategic IT consulting. Uh, what we're probably best known for is systems integration work, but we also do a lot of cloud infrastructure, and we offer various IP solutions ranging from payment systems to cybersecurity to satellite tracking and energy grid management. We play in 10 industry sectors, including government, retail, manufacturing, insurance, but one of our largest is uh, is financial services. So I, I work here in Canada out of Toronto. Uh, so we deal with banks across the country uh, and obviously very heavily with the, uh, the five major banks, as well as other financial institutions and credit unions uh, based in the Toronto area. Great. Well, let's let's come on to talk in a bit more detail then about kind of where Canada is on its open banking and, and payments kind of journeys, because it's interesting in, in Canada, and, and there are other examples of this elsewhere in the world, but open banking and, and payments are treated as sort of fairly separate kind of sectors, I guess, maybe. That's the right way of putting it. And when we talk about payments in Canada, we're going to refer to the real-time rail there. So perhaps you can kind of set the scene a bit. Why are they treated kind of separately? And what needs to happen for the worlds of open banking and real-time rail to, to kind of cross over or, or collide? Well, I mean, to be honest, or to be fair, I mean, we've had payments a lot longer than we've had open banking. And I guess in the context of open finance, uh, the payment rail of choices, as you said, is is really a real-time network of some kind. It's not wires or electronic funds transfer or debit or credit cards. Actually, that gives me a chance to finish the second part of your first question was my background. I've been in banking, but specifically payments for over 20 years. So as I just said, there's a very broad range of payments that can be made, payment types, and every payment essentially or effectively uh, goes through a payment rail. And when we've seen open banking launched in other countries, almost to a, to a, to a, <laughs> to a T, every one of them has had some form of, of real-time payment capacity network or rail in place when they launch open banking. What we've also seen in, in most countries, a lot of them you know, have taken a similar approach to Canada, and I'll talk about that in a second. 
but they've they've had those that ability to make payments as part of open banking. And I think we've seen enough case studies and use cases where there's more value available or can that can be derived from having the ability to initiate a payment or transfer money between people or entities, businesses, than there is from just purely accessing and aggregating data and doing the analysis. So you're correct. Payments and open finance, they will cross over. And, and here's where I'll, I'll finish the, the thought on Canada. As you know, we're taking a phased approach with the implementation of open banking. And in the first phase, it's really all about access to data. So we can access data, we can aggregate it, we can analyze it, and we'll come back with some sort of advice or recommendations, which, you know, it's pretty standard fare for most services in open banking. In, in the later phase, and I really want to see some dates and timeframes put on this, in later phases, we'll have payment initiation and account portability. So uh, the other, you know, added layer of context for Canada is that we don't have our real-time rail yet. It's, it's underway, it's coming. Uh, right now, it's slated for 2024. It sounds like it may drift into 2025. So the timing should work out about right. By the time we launch, and I hate to use the phrase, but we, we launch open banking in a read-only or read-access type of phase, by the time the RTR is in place, we'll be ready to move on and actually add the right access, which is really account portability and payment initiation. So they will cross over. Uh, it's that ability to initiate payments on your behalf as a service provider, that's them taking it to the next step. So it's an important, important uh, junction that's coming. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, like you say, I, I guess timings wise, that could work nicely. I mean, when you say you'd, you know, you'd like to see some, some kind of dates and, and a bit more of a, of, of a roadmap, is that just to make sure that, that, you know, there's there's momentum basically in in Canada, and and that the industry is all moving and working collaboratively towards the kind of same endpoint. Hundred percent. It's too easy to say, oh well, it's good enough. Let's just stop here. And when we've been looking at, at least in you know the Canadian or North American context, payments modernization taking taking place over the last six or seven years, and, and again, all of this is a ripple from you know the financial crisis of two thousand eight, two thousand nine, but. All these modernization activities, I mean, you do what the regulators say you have to do. You look internally going, oh, well, what, what, what systems have I got that are not fit for purpose? Do I need to change? But it's easy to reach that point where, okay, this is good enough. Let's stop spending money and, and, and spending time and resources on these initiatives. And we could easily fall into that sort of trap with open banking and say, oh, well, the ability to access data and share data securely, that's good enough, right? Consented data sharing is just the beginning. It leads to a lot of different services, but we need to get to that payment. So I want a date so that I know there's a commitment to that next phase and that we will get to the payment initiation type of capabilities. Without a date or a time frame, I, I'm not expecting regulatory mandates for it, although it'd be great if there were. That puts some teeth, teeth in it, right? That we now have a target date, we have to hit this date. Otherwise, as I said, too easy to say, oh, good enough, or we'll get there eventually. And if you're not being measured against it, it just, it doesn't get done. Yeah, absolutely. And David, you know, we hear so much about open banking being able to kind of unlock all these, these kind of new use cases for consumers, for SMBs, the prospect of kind of open banking and, and payment initiation kind of coming together, if you like, what, what excites you most about that? What are some of the, the use cases that can benefit consumers, but also businesses that kind of, that kind of 
really make you kind of hungry for for this this kind of implementation really well i think that convergence of open banking and payment initiation puts us into that realm of open finance it's got to be about more than just banking capabilities it's got to be about open you know open finance much broader into insurance all these other things so the obvious benefit is the ability of service providers to initiate money movement on your behalf if a consumer or a business finds a service that helps them manage their financial life then that service will be able to remove more friction and do more for you. Instead of taking to the point where they complete an analysis, make recommendations, and then say, okay, you're on your own from here. Those actionable insights, uh, we've all been, you know, the thing we've all been chasing, we want that ability to take action. So a combination of moving beyond just banking activities, because if you run a business, uh, you're doing more than just, you know, checking and savings accounts and, and, and moving money that way. There's investments there's insurance, there's all these other elements that are financial related. Uh, I like the idea of having a scope that's broad enough to bring all of that in there, because if you're truly going to help a consumer or a business uh, with their financial well-being, improve their their lot in life in terms of a financial uh, life, uh, you need to touch on all of these elements because it, it's, it's more complete. The more fulsome the data, the more fulsome the reach, and then the ability to take action, you know, that's how you're really going to drive value. And that, that's where the benefit comes from. Otherwise it's, you know, uh, small steps in a, in a direction, which better than nothing, but it's not enough. They're looking for more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and well, that brings us on actually nicely to the panel that uh, you're going to be moderating at Open Banking Expo Canada in June. So the panel is titled How to Meet SMB's Unique Needs with Open Banking. So David, what can we expect uh, to hear in, in this session? I think it'll be a, a very interesting conversation. Provocative, I hope. I mean, you always want these panels to be entertaining. Can't just be all of us saying the same thing and nodding our heads. But I think we've got a really good mixture of viewpoints. So we'll be able to provide a, a true view of what small businesses need and what they want or need to help them manage and run their business. I think a lot of times we have a perception of what, oh, we know what small business needs. This is this is it. And it might be true, but not always. I mean, you've really got to get, get back to those grassroots. And we've got a couple of panelists who deal with SMBs on a day-to-day basis. So they've heard all the complaints. They know the pain points. They know what they're asking for. So I think we'll get a, a, a really honest, accurate view of what's required or what's what they're looking for. And then there's others from the other side that'll be looking at, okay, so how do we, knowing that or hearing that, what do we have to develop and how do we actually bring it to market to help them, right? So we have to get the, some insight into the types of services that can be developed and offered. Uh, and maybe more importantly, what changes can be made to existing processes or solutions that we have. Credit risk adjudication is a big example. With the ability to access more data or better data, more indicative data, does that mean we can change the way we adjudicate risk? Can we? Will, will that mean we will lend to businesses in a, you know, in a way that's more beneficial to them. Uh, there's lots of businesses that don't qualify because of our risk rules or their, their track record, particularly coming out of a pandemic. Uh, you know, there, there's going to be uh, credit scores that are absolutely in the gutter. Well, how do you fix that? And how do you improve that? And how do you help them maintain their business, grow their business? Because they're such an important part of our economy. So that's what I'm looking for is that, is that good mixture of here's what businesses need, Here's what uh, we can do to change them. Here's new things we can introduce. I, I want to get that sort of mixture out of uh, out of the panel. 
And if we can, you know, surprise a few people with some of the answers, that'd be great too. Yeah, well, hope you, hopefully you get some of that that provocative debate that uh, that you talked about there, David. And and you know, sticking with with the small businesses in Canada and and their needs. I mean, as as you say, you know, when we use the term SMBs, it's kind of we're talking in broad broad brush strokes here, really, aren't we? Whereas actually, when you dig deeper, they all have very unique individual needs, of course. There's probably two or three layers in there, and I expect we'll probably delineate some of those, right? There's the the mom and pop shop of a single thing, and then there's someone who owns two or three locations of a restaurant, a business, what have you. And and the needs, while similar, will be very different, as you said. Is there any kind of, I guess, knowledge really or or awareness uh, among Canada's small businesses of of open banking and and kind of the potential opportunities it could unlock for them? Or do you think this is really yet to be explored truly by SMBs? I'm not sure to the extent. I, my 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 view is probably not. They don't probably have the education, but I'll I'll rely on the experts that deal more closely with them to fill in that that picture. I think uh, some of the bankers on the panel will say, "Oh, I deal with business on a day to day basis. They know that something's coming. Will they will they know about all the potential services, the potential for it? Obviously, there's everything they've been able to read. So I, I'm interested to see just how how knowledgeable that uh, SMB audience is. By the same token, we've seen that in uh, other regions. There is a, a lot of work that needs to be done in terms of educating as to what open banking is. Uh, and to be honest, uh, our friends in the UK, my colleagues in the UK say this all the time, they don't care about open banking. They care about the services that just so happen to use the capabilities of open banking. They want to know that there is a service that can help them, that it's reliable, that it's not going to disappear next week. You know, So it can't be two guys who built an app in their garage last week and have VC funding that's going to burn away in nine months. They want to know that the entity that's providing new services to help them is going to be around, that they're stable, and that they're securely looking after their data. So that element for sure. So there's a lot of education as to, you know, you know, are we using open banking? Do they care about APIs or ISO 20022? Probably not. They're looking for, well, what's what are the services that have now appeared in the market and which one would work for me? But again, I'll, I'll wait for my panel of experts to tell me how much they really know. I, I think there's probably been enough uh, in the media for them to recognize that there is something coming and it presents opportunity, but will someone actually step in and provide a service that takes advantage of it? That they will go, Eureka, you're you're going to you know save my business or help me greatly. Yes. So maybe a kind of a killer use case that really brings it home to those those SMB owners, just exactly what, what, what this can deliver for them. Exactly. I mean, the, from a, we always, we always talk about consumers and we have, I think that's a, something we have to really watch is, I mean, let's talk about customers so that we can, you know, incorporate consumers and businesses. Um, but the businesses they're looking for, well, what are you going to do to help me? The, the use case that is most prevalent in every single country that launches open banking is a form of PFM, personal financial management. Which, you know, it's more than just the fancy graphs that say how much you bought in coffee and gas and groceries this week. But every bank and credit union in Canada does does that to some extent. They're not aggregating to show me all of my holdings in different places, but they certainly do that. Well, PFM for business, what's the equivalent? Well, it could start as easily as something like QuickBooks and Sage Accounting and other types of programs. Could be accounting programs, could be, you know, inventory control programs, all of these sort of existing solutions. And even the things like, you know, square and cash register type of functionality, 
they could all jump on the bandwagon and say, I'm going to produce these new services. I'm going to extend what I do to try and help these businesses. I think that's what they're looking for. Or what are these things? So if you can help me manage my cash flow, that we know that's 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 a given, which is you know similar to liquidity, uh, to know that I can make payroll, the ability to have um, a real-time rail. Let's just use example of payroll for a small business. If you've got 30 employees, you have to save money in an account to make sure you can cover your payroll, but you've also got to submit the instructions to your bank. You know, it used to be up to two weeks in advance. Well, if we have the real-time rail in place and open open finance as we expect it to be, I can wait till Friday morning at 7.30 to make sure I've got enough money rather than two weeks in advance. I can use that money throughout the week. As long as I've got enough money at 7.30, I can initiate the payroll at eight o'clock and it's all done. So just little things like that. Uh, and we know cash flow is, is a huge one for SMBs, but there's got to be some other ones too. And that's, that's what I'm looking for. And as we start to describe these capabilities and these services, you'll get the feedback from businesses say, well, that's nice and that could be helpful, but this is what really I need. I'm waiting for that. Well, I, I really look forward then to this this panel session. And and also, David, you know, when we're when you're thinking about um, Open Banking Expo Canada next month and, and kind of bringing the industry together, what, what kind of excites you the most about that? What, what do you kind of get out of an event like that yourself? Uh, well, it's a combination of things. Uh, part of it is is you, you always have to be listening and and hearing what you know other people's viewpoint is, what they're planning to do, what they're bringing to market. So just to keep tabs or keep your thumb on the pulse of what the industry is doing. Part of it is we're waiting for the open banking lead and frameworks and legislation, all these things. Some people have felt that, oh, we can't move forward until we have the answers. Well, there's a lot of things you can do. There's a lot of no regret actions you can take now. We know what's basically coming. We just don't necessarily know the order or the finer details. So I'm always curious to hear what other people, other businesses are doing. It's also great to be actually in the room, as we all say at every conference, to be in, in person. But it's those hallway conversations where you just have a chat over a coffee and you hear someone say, well, they've got this brilliant idea or they've got a problem. Could we help you with that? Or, oh, that's a great idea. You know, we should talk to our clients to see if they have the same issue. So the information sharing on, on both a personal and a, and a business level is fantastic. And then to actually get input from those who are, let's say, in control. I mean, you're never going to get any surprise bombshells in, in these sort of meetings, but you can certainly cross-reference things and you can get you know, maybe a different viewpoint. You know, maybe you've interpreted something that's been been written or, or reported. You've, you've taken it in a different way. You can get clarification. So th these in-person meetings are great. And, and just to broaden the network. I mean, I think in the end of the day, we're all there to help advocate for both our clients and for the concept of open banking or open finance and to ensure that we're heading in a the right direction that it's as inclusive as possible and that we are looking at more than just either fringe use cases or the obvious down the middle use case we, we've got to make sure we we cover all of our bases to help all canadians in our case with what open banking could do for them i wanted to come back to to cgi i suppose and uh, find out a little bit more about how you've been positioning the business to make sure you can support and, and help your clients embrace open banking. As you say, 
okay, there might not be, you know, the the roadmap itself yet, but you pretty much know what's coming. So, so yes, what have you been doing to support your clients? Well, uh, any number of things. It really depends on the situation uh, of the client. So with some of our clients, I mean, they've had the infrastructure, the gateways, and they've written, I mean, bank clients and credit unions, they've been writing APIs for 15, 20 years. Might not be in the same format as what they are today, but I mean, they, they understand that. So sort of the front end infrastructure for exposing APIs, just about everyone's got that. Uh, we have a lot of conversations about well, how do you actually govern your APIs? And it's not about, you know, meeting the, the standard. It's about, well, how do you look after them internally? How do you make sure that we don't have 15 different groups within a very large institution writing the same API? So I mean, governance and, and looking after it, standards for writing them. For other clients, uh, they're very much comfortable with the technology, but it's the cons- consent management components. And maybe they have a more complex ecosystem or infrastructure. Uh, how will they manage consents? It's one thing uh, as it all pans out to verify that, yeah, this company has got David's permission to, to, to come and get his data. I then have to validate that that company is who we think it is. But then to give David the ability to log in and go and make changes to his consents. Uh, how do we help? How do we help customers not have to do that at three or four different places? So I mean, there's all of those. For others, it's spending time on the on the use cases. I mean, there's lots of lots of material out there. Um, if you do your research on the various use cases, what's been popular? Uh, part of what we have to do is how does it translate or differ for the Canadian market? So we spent time refining people's strategies. They've got their strategies at a high level, but it's always refining it. And directing it where they want to go. Some of them, I mean, they're looking at uh, what are the customer bases that they're going to focus on. Well, how do you refine your strategy for that? Uh, and for others, it, it's pure, you know, straight-on infrastructure. How how do we help some of the smaller institutions who uh, feel they have to participate, otherwise they look like they've been left behind, but don't have uh, the large sums of money that need to be invested to do all these things? So, again, we have clients of all different sizes. They all have different needs. Uh, we have a growing team, uh, both from our account teams, the relationships that we've got, and then our ability to tap into our global resources that have been there, done that you know, from other countries to help guide clients or just pure, sometimes it's just purely they know what they want to do. We just help them execute on it, put the infrastructure in place, get all the bits and bobs, the pieces there so that they're ready for, for whenever we actually officially launch. Well, David, it's it's great to hear about all the work you've been doing. And um, we're really looking forward to, as I say, having you at, at Open Banking Expo Canada next month. So thank you for joining me on the podcast. Oh, thank you very much for the opportunity and uh, for both this, as well as for putting on such a fantastic event. I think last year's event was, was very, very well received. Uh, obviously, it's grown in size. We'll be changing venues and putting it into the, you know, the Rogers Centre before you know it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's hope so. Um, But yeah, thank you, David, and and see you very soon. Sounds good. Thank you. My thanks again there to David Hooper from CGI for joining me on the podcast. As we talked about, he's going to be at Open Making Expo Canada, chairing or moderating a panel debate called How to Meet SMB's Unique Needs with Open Banking. That's going to take place on the main stage, so stage one in the afternoon. He'll be joined by as he said, a, a really good cross section of, of you know, the Canadian financial services industry. So do join us if you can for that. Until next time, goodbye for now.